Welcome back to Autolux Autopod. I'm your host as always, Everett J. This week we are looking at the life and times of Saab automobiles. Autolux.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Welcome back, I'm your host as always, Everett J. And today, like I said, we are looking at the life and times of Saab automobiles. You can follow us via autolux.net, our Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Google+, LinkedIn, YouTube, and click on the top and you can even find our autolux.net email. Now, today, like I said, we're gonna be talking about the life and times of Saab automobiles. Saab is one of those great companies that started out as basically just an engineering feat and usage of pre-existing manufacturing facilities. Saab was basically used to prop up the aeronautical division of Saab aircraft after the World War II. Now, from there, utilizing this, Saab built itself as a small, somewhat premium to luxury-based manufacturer, which helped, well, the Swedish people get their wheels in motion. Now, in saying that, Saab did actually help this country put itself in motion into the 20th century and move itself forward. Now, Saab was one of those great companies, and what really, you have to look through its history to find out what happened and where did it go wrong? We can tell you what kind of did go wrong, but let's take a look back to the beginning. The beginning of when it was an aircraft manufacturer stabilizing link. Yes, Saab Automobiles was built to utilize extra space and capacity within an aircraft manufacturing facility. They had extra space. Hey, World War II is over. You have all these giant plants that you use to build aircraft fight during the war. Now you got giant freaking manufacturing plants that do nothing because you don't need that many planes. Hell, it's Sweden. They don't need a massive army. Shouldn't say that. They don't need a massive army anymore. What happened from there? Well, Saab helped build the original 9-2, which helped push it into the mainstream. It helped build its identity as a small car manufacturer, putting in motion the Swedish people. Now, this is say Volvo was already around. Saab was just an entry into the automotive world within Sweden. But from there, Saab decided to embrace on its unusual design and attitude. Yes, they were bred and born from aerospace industry but they were going to go on and dominate within their own niche. Started carving out their own niche with odd looking cars. Now, not to say that the original Saabs weren't the greatest looking cars. Hell, they, they make my list. They make the Everett list of automobiles. Over 5,000 cars strong. And yes, Saab has a lot of cars on that list as well. But from there, they started moving on. And it wasn't just about building cars and expanding their plant. They needed to get a foothold into that. They needed to make themselves different from their competitors, from Volvo. Well, how do you do that get into racing yes we all know Volvo was in racing as well but Saab wasn't so Saab needed to get in racing but they needed to make a point in racing they don't just get in and be like we're just another car company trying to build a race car or racing here to promote our stuff no we needed to segregate ourselves and create a niche that is going to make it amazing well to do that back in the city they decide to take their cars and go across the world on a rally course proving that they could take on the likes of Lancia Audi Volkswagen Fiat, every company that existed in rally during the 60s, they wanted to go after. Hell, if Mini can push a tiny little car through rally racing, then so can Saab. And Saab did this with great effect. They won championships, they won races, they moved on to the Constructors' Cup. Saab was on its way up. But then what happened? Why did, why did Saab fail? Now, gotta keep listening because we're getting getting further into it. They didn't just dominate at rally and keep dominating. No, everybody eventually picks up on it and everybody starts fighting you. Eventually you will fall. No, Saab started moving 
it into more of the mainstream luxuries and trying to build cars to go up against the likes of BMW and Mercedes. They wanted it into the premium and luxury marketplace. They wanted to be at the forefront of luxury within Sweden. Unfortunately for them at this time, Volvo was considering going into the marketplace. And by the late 70s, Saab was kind of based, kind of fighting it out with Volvo, stating, hey, we're not just a Swedish car brand, we're a luxury Swedish car brand. We have our own attitude, we have our own following, we have our own clientele, and actually they did with their designs and their features. And they started coming up with brand new technologies and moving themselves forward. Hell, they were in the aerospace industry, right? Aerospace is always looking further ahead than anyone else because they need to be better than everyone else out there. Well, unfortunately, those great times slowly started coming to an end near the late 70s and early into 80s when a big company from North America said, hey, we can help you move into the North American marketplace and push you further. With a little help from our friends at General Motors, Saab was eventually acquired and moved into the General Motors stable. And then along came the financial crisis of the 80s. Lo and behold, Saab was not a big company able to take care of itself during this financial crisis and General Motors took full control of Saab. And from this, we had the beginning of the end of this company. Now, not to say that General Motors signed their death warrant the second they took care of them. No, General Motors took them, worked with their niche. They said, hey, you got something here that's great. You got an amazing product that people love. And they started looking at what niche can we go after? Well, Saab had the most weird, weirdest, outlandish product that nobody could ever think about. But unfortunately, that's all GM had. They took those odd designs and just added a bit more, added a bit more, added a bit more. When you get from the late 70s and into the 80s and then into mid 90s, Saab didn't have very many changes. It had its own niche. It had its own image. When you saw Saab, you either loved it or you hated it. Hell, it was like a PT Cruiser and Aztec. You either love it or you hate it. They also had a turbo. That made it a little bit different. It was starting to move up. General Motors was starting to push their vehicles more into movie, trying to get them more into the mainstream. But unfortunately, people just couldn't get over that weird look that Saab had. By the late 90s, General Motors finally decided to say, hey, enough's enough. Let's move you up into the next phase of your development. Same thing that Ford was doing with Jaguar at this time, saying, hey, it's time to make a change. Time to move from the 70s and into the 21st century. And along came what is now known as the Saab 9.3. Not the, not lo and behold, this is the most amazing product ever that everybody wants, but it was something better than what the Saab already had. And it was taking key aspects of their current designs and moving them into what Saab could become into the future. But unfortunately, with that, General Motors started seeing the red. And the red with Saab was that all the years of the 70s and 80s and early 90s of that classic cult following and home support was dwindling. And as people moved away from coupes and convertibles and more into sedans, minivans, SUVs, General Motors started to notice and say, hey, something's going on with Saab. Something is going to happen with them. We need to make this major change. The 9.3 is doing great. Hell, it's doing better sales than the previous models. Unfortunately, it's, it's not taking off to the class that we can think of. What else can we do? Oh, lo and behold, the 9.3X Crosstrax. Hell, everybody's kind of getting into them. Why? Because Saab doesn't have a platform or the capabilities to building a crossover utility vehicle yet. But unfortunately, that issue came from its corporate governance. They didn't allow them to grow and expand at a time when they could. At a time of the late 80s and early 90s when the world economy was exploding and the people were just creating tons and tons of different niches and different models and getting into everything. Hell, Chrysler reinvented themselves with the minivan and the K car. And from there, they moved into the shadow, the acclaim, the dynasty. They reinvented their Ram. They reinvented the 
Dakota. They reinvented themselves, but unfortunately, General Motors didn't do this. They stuck with the product that they knew and they had and that they got when they bought the company. And by the late 90s, this was starting to show. And even though the 93 was taking off, it wasn't taking off to the global effect. And like I said, the 93X started coming around. The 93 Convertible came out to try and enter into that luxury marketplace. But unfortunately, Mercedes owns this market with the SLK. And Saab just doesn't have enough, enough grab to bring it full force against the Mercedes SLK or even the BMW Z4 or Z3 at the times. No, no science times are changing. Unfortunately, General Motors started seeing the writing on the wall and they said to themselves, we need to do something with this company. We need to make it new. Well, they give the 9.5 an update. It wasn't the greatest. It was quick, easy fix. Let's utilize the product platform that we have existing and just bring it into the 21st century. They did it. Help boost sales, help keep it going. And like I said, they created the convertible version of the 9.3. They created the 9.3X. So they had the cross track. Well, it still wasn't enough. Then they borrowed. They also built Bravada and created the 9.7X. Well, hell, now they're getting into the crossover utility marketplace. And along with that, hell, General Motors owned Subaru. Let's give them a 9.2. We need an entry so people can enter and get into these companies because General Motors knew at that time people needed to enter through a bottom line product. Hell, Toyota has been doing it for generations with the Corolla. Get people in to a Corolla when they're in college and you'll get them to move up to the Camry. You'll get them to move up to the 4Runner. You'll eventually get them to move up to the Tundra now. General Motors knew this. So they borrowed the Subaru Impreza Sport. It slapped a Saab logo on the front end, gave it some new headlights, and said, hey, this is the new Saab 92X. But fortunately, by this time, people had started seeing the writing on the wall and said to themselves, we don't want products that are the exact same thing with just a different logo. I'm not paying a premium for a Subaru. That's not a Subaru. Just like the Oldsmobile Bravada that was moved into the Saab 97X. I'm not paying a premium for a Saab when I could just go out and buy the Oldsmobile. Even though its days are slowly numbered, eventually, the final nail came in the coffin when the next global financial crisis hat hit us all in 2008 and Saab was hit hard. Oldsmobile's death meant that the 97X was out. General Motors started looking to get rid of Subaru, eventually picked up by Toyota, so the 92X was gone. The 93 was starting to show its age, even though it was young for its age, it was showing signs that it was dwindling. Newer, better designs with new features, better technology within them, something that aerospace doesn't stand for. It likes to be ahead of the game, but fortunately General Motors didn't do that with Saab by then and it was falling behind. A new 9.5 was in the product plan and a few kick-ass concepts. But unfortunately, by 2008, when the global crisis hit, General Motors said, hey, we're scrapping any unproductive line. Hell, they scrapped Saturn, which they built in the 80s during the last global financial crisis to bring them up to competing with the imports. And Saturn was signed its death notice. Pontiac was signed its death notice. Even with great cars like the G8 and the G8 sport truck coming on, they decided to kill Pontiac off. And why? Because it was between them and Buick. And because Buick sells more product in China than Pontiac ever would, let's keep that brand. Instead of just keeping Buick in China and Pontiac North America, no, we're just going to cut our losses. Get rid of Pontiac. We don't need a sports brand. We can add that to Chevrolet. Yeah, like that ever worked. And all the premium brands started. Hell, they sold off their portion of Suzuki. They sold off their portion of Subaru. And now Saab was about to be sold off. But things were looking up. Saab was about to be sold off to another Swedish sports car manufacturer, Spiker. Hell, it looked pretty good. It was even more promising when Koenigsegg came into the picture and said, hey, we want to buy them too. Because Koenigsegg could now own a standard ma manufacturer and sell cars. But unfortunately, they walked away from this deal. Why? There was too much going on with it. There's too much red tape that General Motors was throwing out. Spiker, on the other hand, was able to get past all this red tape and eventually took over Saab Automobiles, beating out Chinese investors and Koenig. Spiker, the Dutch sports car manufacturer. You can't remember what, you just, just go online right now and look at Spiker cars. Oh, go to autolux.net, 
corporate websites, go down, go to the S file, check for Spiker, look for its logo, click on it, go to their website, see their cars they have. They made some amazing products from a company that only sold a few hundred cars to taking over one that sold thousands just seemed odd. Of course, Koenigsegg seemed odd, but he was already an aerospace engineer before he built his car. So he understood the beginnings of Saab, where Spiker did it. And that nail in the coffin is slowly what killed these two off. General Motors signed the deal with them, allowing them to produce the 9.3 and even take over the project for the new 9.5, which is going to save Saab, bring it back from the brink of extinction, and help Spiker launch some new products. Hell, they were going to make their Peking to Paris crossover utility vehicle, eating out the Lamborghini Urus as the first super sport utility vehicle out there. Unfortunately, Spiker didn't have the finances to keep them going, and eventually they kicked the bucket. Victor Mullen eventually picked up the pieces and managed to form Spiker back again, but not without selling off Saab. The unfortunate last nail in the coffin for Saab came when Spiker was selling it off. It went through liquidations, and while Spiker managed to, to beat the system, he managed to get back on his feet and is producing cars now. But he had to give up everything that he was given, and everything he had for Spiker. And General Motors is still holding the wild card on Saab automobiles. Remember, they built the 9.3. All of the models before that were built before General Motors took it over. The 9.3 and the new 9.5 were being built off platforms that General Motors owned. And that's the final nail in the coffin. General Motors killed Saab off when the Chinese investors came swooping in to buy out Saab. They wanted production facilities. They wanted all their intellectual property. General Motors unfortunately knew due to copyright infringements, theft of intellectual property. All these Chinese investors were just looking for a way to get in and steal stuff from GM. Well, that's what they thought. And eventually, a conglomerate known as Nevs bought them out and planned a revival. They eventually got GM to settle on, allowing them to produce a few 9.3s. They even gave them the rights to the 9.5. But with it, they didn't get engines, they didn't get transmissions. They just got the molds. They were allowed to build the shells of the car and sell them as they wish, which Nevs has done. They're trying to revitalize some, trying to bring it back from death as a new electric cab for the Chinese marketplace. Amazing, yeah? No, not really. Because the Saab logo during the fallout from General Motors over to Spiker was lost. Scanna now owns that, along with Saab Aerospace. They own the rights to the original Saab logo. They leased it to General Motors, but they won't lease it to, to Spiker. They won't lease it to Nevs. So the Saab logo's gone. Even if Saab ever does come back and is branded as Saab, it'll only be S-A-A-B. Written on the front, no logo, and the only thing is that's left of its original heritage will be that dwindling design of the original ninth that we all remember. Now the Saab is dead. It's sad to say that unfortunately they didn't make it in the world today like a lot of our previous followers. Hummer is somewhat stabilized because AM General still owns the right. Pontiac, well, it still somewhat lives on. The hopes and dreams that they'll finally make a Pontiac version of the new Camaro, but they won't. Kind of like how Plymouth, everybody wants the Cuda to come back. But unfortunately, the only thing you can do is buy a clip for a Challenger and make it your own. Saab, no. If we ever see it again, we'll see the 9.3 marked as either a Saab nameplate or NEVS. They still own the rights to the plant, which they're actually trying to get produced cars from. But unfortunately, it doesn't look good. So... As we look back on Saab and where it came from and where it went, is the hopes and dreams to utilize extra manufacturing facilities created during World War II from Saab Aerospace to help build cars and put Sweden in motion to create a competitor, the once great Volvo that is now owned by Geely and is now producing great products with Polestar and Lincoln Company. They have dominated Rally. They've created an amazing, outlandish looking niche with their vehicles of the late 70s and 80s. And they built an image as being 
being one of the most technically advanced safe vehicles out there. We do miss Saab. We'd love to see them. They're one of the small car companies that everybody always kind of forgot about, never really thought about. And we wish they wouldn't have that out. So in closing, let's not remember Saab as the fallout and drop dead piece of technological misprints from General Motors. Let's remember it as rally winning little Swedish car company that wanted to be better than what everybody else was. I'm Eric J. Just saying, keep following autolux.net on our Twitter, Facebook, Google+, YouTube, hell, even my email. Follow up, see what's going on. This is Everett J. signing off from autolux.net autopod. Remember to strap yourself in for one wild ride from autolux.net.